This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 138. And this is another installment of Classic Rebel Radio, where we revisit an episode from the past while I am on maternity leave. Today, we are revisiting the interview I did with Glennis Oyston, who blows up the bullshit on health and weight and talks about how you can focus on health without being restrictive. This originally aired May 6th, 2016, and I'll be answering a listener question on whether there is a quote unquote there as an intuitive eater. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 138. In case you haven't heard, or if you just heard, I'm on maternity leave until spring 2019. So the episodes you are hearing here originally aired in the first two seasons of the show. They are some of your favorites, and I hope you enjoy re-listening to them or hearing them for the first time. Before we begin, let me give a shout out to Emma, who left this awesome review. I just love this show. Summer is great, and so are her guests. They always have the best conversations. I love it. Thank you so much. This means the world to me. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click Ratings and Reviews, and click to leave a review or give it a rating. This helps others to find the information you are learning here. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you use. And don't forget to grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Today's listener question comes from Katie. She says, I was challenged by a friend yesterday when I was saying how great I'll feel when I'm quote unquote there as an intuitive eater. She questioned whether there really is a there. I feel strongly that there is, that everyone through some deep and often challenging work can become or really re-become an intuitive eater. But her question left me thinking about what that looks like. How do you know when you get there? What are the criteria? I know it's going to be individual, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. On this. Okay. I love this question. I really do. And so, you know, as Katie alluded to in the question, it really is about re-becoming an intuitive eater. You know, we're born as intuitive eaters and this gets stripped away as we are exposed to the messages of diet culture and fat phobia. But I always hesitate with the word there because it implies some kind of finality. And when we're talking about something as delicate and complex as our bodies and our beliefs that are strongly influenced by the culture, I don't believe we can put an expectation of finality on it. So I would not use the word there, but I would use a word like, you know, like reclaiming my 
intuitive <laughs> heating or like trusting myself, reclaiming my trust. Or if I were to use the word body trust that be nourished use, it's about, you know, like reclaiming body trust. So that's, you know, that's what I would say, because if it's a reclamation, if it's a reclamation, if we're reclaiming it, then, you know, it's not going to be like a finality. It's just, it's ours again. And there may still be ups and downs on it. And everyone's experience with this is going to be different. And dependent on their background, the experiences they've had, the support they have in doing this work and their current life situation. So that's why I don't want to put any criteria on doing this right, because I don't want to give us another standard to live up to or something where we feel like we're not achieving, you know, we're not achieving it or we're not doing good enough. You know, we want to remove any kind of additional criteria. We've got enough criteria in our lives, but I can give you kind of a framework for thinking about it. And I think it's important to also note that, you know, individuals who face actual weight stigma, so individuals in fat bodies are often told to diet over and over from their family and their doctors. And things like that can make it harder to heal the diet mentality. Or if you have food sensitivities, or you need to eat a certain way for health reasons, or your access to food is limited, all of those things are going to make this more difficult. And so that's why I don't want to say there's a criteria or there's a there because I, I think that it is so individual. And for some people, it's going to be a bigger challenge than others. But the way I like to look at this is really on an individual basis. So for you and for you listening, take a look at what food is like for you right now. You know, what are what are the behaviors that that you that you feel are problematic? Is it that you're obsessing about food all the time? You don't even know what to eat anymore. You don't know how much to eat. You feel like you overeat or you're judging yourself. Now, all of those things, and I put overeat in quotations because it's actually a word that I never use <laughs> use it because that's what other people you like clients will use that word but I don't believe in using the word overeat because it implies there's some like magical level of food that we need to be eating too which is just a way of like it sounds that's a rule so think about where you are and then think about how you want it to be you want to be able to eat without guilt you want to be able to go to social events without stressing about food you want to be able to you know, buy ice cream and not be thinking about it every minute of the day until it's gone. You know, you, you that think about like how you want food to be and be really careful here that you're not like bringing the diet mentality into it. And you're not saying like, I want to eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. And I never want to overeat. And I never want to, you know, binge on something because that's like all those things are essentially you're just putting a set of rules around it. So <laughs> I want you to think about like, you know, what are some of the, the the aspects of the diet mentality that you have that you no longer want to have? And how would food be if you didn't have those aspects of the diet mentality? And if you haven't read the book Intuitive Eating, it really goes into the, the different, you know, kind of facets of the diet mentality. And so as you do the work, then you can assess for yourself whether you're moving closer to that end of the spectrum for you. You know, so are you eating more often without feeling guilty? Are you able to like eat past fullness and, and not fret about it? Are you able to go to social events without stressing about food? You know, all these different things. And by doing that, you know, we don't have like this specific set of criteria, but we have this things that are this list of things that are important to you that you want to focus on. And then you can just check in and be like, am I working towards that? Like, am I moving closer to that? So how I would describe a good relationship with food, and again, it's not a criteria, but it's just food is just effortless and easy for people. So eating is effortless and easy. There's no judgment and there's no behavior that's good or bad. 
and we've healed the diet mentality. And, and to heal the diet mentality, we have to detach our weight from our food choices. That's the core of healing the diet mentality. So it's not about eating when you're hungry or stopping when you're full or intuitively craving vegetables. If we focus on that, if we try to force any of that, it's just not going to happen. When we really just focus on letting go of good and bad judgments, feeding ourselves like grown-ass adults, and taking weight out of our food decision choices, then we get back to our intuitive roots. And so that's, you know, that's what I would say is just, you know, asking yourself, like, am I eating with less judgment? Am I, you know, feeding myself like a grown-ass adult? <laughs> and and you can listen to my episode on hunger and fullness, which is episode 120. And you can find that at summerinandin.com forward slash 120 for more on hunger and fullness and, and all that stuff. I highly recommend that one. And the last thing I just want to say here, it's, you know, it's important to remember that we can change our beliefs but we can't forget what we know. So I will forever know how many almonds make up a zone block. Unfortunately, I can't forget that. But that just doesn't factor into my food decisions anymore. And so, you know, that's like, even though I've come back to being an intuitive eater, I would say that I still have those memories hardwired into my brain. And, and so if I were to really summarize this answer, I don't have criteria. Rather, it's a general sense of whether or not food is just feeling easier. And I also just know that nothing in life is static. And my experience or my client's experiences aren't the same as everyone else's, which is why I would never want to set like a, you know, and, and marker on this. Like, I think that there are certain things that we can look for. We want to progress towards a certain place. But I would never say, like, unless you meet these criteria, you are not there. <laughs> so so I hope that that clears it up. So both you and your friend are right, I believe. You're both on the right. You're both on the right way of thinking. It's, it's more just a matter of kind of the language and really thinking about it on an individual basis. And, uh, yeah, that was an awesome question. So this episode with Glennis ties into that a bit. She's an awesome awesome anti-diet dietitian. And if you're looking for an anti-diet dietitian that does health at every size, I personally have referred a few people to Glennis and they have given me raving reviews and been so grateful for that recommendation. So if you're looking for someone, I do recommend Glennis uh, for someone to, if you're looking for an RD, like a dietitian, she's awesome. And you'll see why, you'll, you'll, you'll understand why when you listen to this interview again as well. Well, all right, enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Today, I am really excited to introduce you to someone who maybe you've heard of before and maybe not. Her name is Glennis, and she's kind of a badass, so that's why I wanted to have her on the show. Glennis Oyston is a registered dietitian, author of the blog Dare to Not Diet, and one half of the Dietitians Unplugged podcast. With a long history of dieting and freaking out about her weight daily, she now believes in leading a life free of dieting and food restriction for weight control. She dares you to join her in giving a middle finger to the multi-billion dollar diet industry and living the best non-diet life ever. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I've been reading your book, and it's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I've, I've been loving your podcast. Oh, awesome. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's funny how I kind of, how I discovered you. It was one of the women in my Facebook community posted a link to um, a blog post you wrote called 
did we cure obesity? I think it was that. Congratulations. Congratulations. Cured obesity heavy on the sarcasm. <laughs> yes. And I read it and I was and super sarcastic, uh, totally witty and hilarious, as well as absolutely brilliantly written. And I was like, I need to connect with this woman because she's got it going on. And so um, I'm excited to have you here and to introduce your work and and yourself to my listeners if if perhaps they haven't heard of you before. So why don't we do that? Why don't you start out by telling everyone a little bit more about your story? Okay. Um, well, I started out as a dieter and I was a dieter for a long time. Um, wait, before that, I started out as a fat kid, actually. Mm -hmm. I think I need to go back that far. Um, I started out as kind of a fat kid, and then, but never one that worried about her body all that much. Um, and then I became a, kind of a fat teenager, and then a fat young adult. Um, and then somewhere in that early, my early 20s, I decided, oh, gosh, I'm not eating very well, so I feel like I need to do something. I kind of keep growing out of clothes, so I'm going to go to Weight Watchers. And um, I'd known people that had gone, and I thought, I'll give it a try. I'll just try it once and see if that I like it. And I, I went, and I did like it, actually, believe it or not, <laughs> because that's, I feel like that's early days of dieting. Yes. I love this. This is so great. And But the truth is, I was learning how to prepare meals for myself for the first time. I'd never had a really regular diet growing up. My mom was kind of laissez-faire about meals. She really didn't like cooking, and she herself had a long history of dieting uh, and weight loss and weight gain. She was never what you would call a fat person, but she had her problems for sure. Mm -hmm. And so food was kind of love at her, uh, uh, love hate for her as well. And so I kind of grew up with this weird diet and I could just eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. So there was of course comfort eating going on and there was no knowledge of what a meal looked like for me. And so going to Weight Watchers, I was learning how to put a meal together and I thought, oh, that's kind of neat. Now those meals that they teach you to put together are pretty small, but this was in the nineties. They weren't even doing points at that point. It was like exchanges or something. So actually I was getting a pretty varied diet for the first time in my life. And of course I lost weight immediately and it was great. I was like, yeah, this is great. This is who I am now, and it's fantastic, and I'm in a smaller body. I still was never what you would call thin. That's what my partner tells me anyway, but not in a mean way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's just like, honey, you were never thin. I'm like, you're, you know what? You're right, and he loves that about me, and it's all fine. So, mm -hmm. um, But I was smaller, and I could fit into regular sizes, and I felt like I was in the regular girl club. Like, oh, I'm not in the fat girl club anymore. I'm in the regular girl club, and I totally get what it's like. To, you know, boys like me now, um, that kind of thing. And uh, I did. I dieted, and it was really easy for a long time. And I think being in your 20s and never having dieted before, I think that initial weight loss is super easy for a lot of people. And it's seductive. Yes. And you just feel like, why isn't everybody doing this? This is great. And um, time goes on. And then you start to notice, well, once in a while, your weight creeps up a few pounds. So then you diet a bit more. Okay, I know what to do to deal with that. I diet a bit more. And then, you know, you go on and you're learning that this is dieting, just restriction to make your weight go down. And as you get older, and as I, as I got older and went on um, with the diet, I, I found I had to get kind of more and more restrictive. But at the same time, I also was 
suddenly no longer happy with the amount of weight I had lost. So it's sort of like that. Like, um, that's what a diet is to me. You never get to eat as much as you want. Also, you never get to be happy with the amount of weight you lost for very long. And so at some point, after about eight years of maintaining, and I realized that I kind of did go beyond the statistics, what the statistics show of dieting success, which is usually 5% of people maintain weight loss long-term. So I was one of those 5% for a while. And then I got it into my head that I still wasn't thin enough and that dieting fixes problems. Um, I had started the first time to diet when my mother was very sick and she was dying. And I, that's, I realized now I connect dieting with uh, resolving stress in my life. And so uh, I was going through some more stress eight years later, and I thought the way to solve it was to go on another diet and be even thinner. And this time have my, and I just moved to California where everybody walks around here with like a total pageant body. And um, I thought, oh, I, I need to be that. That's how thin I need to be now. And so I went on another diet uh, again, I went back to Weight Watchers, and I dieted so restrictively, uh, and I could barely lose any weight at that point. My body was just stressed to the max with trying to lose weight, um, but I did. I managed to lose a few more pounds, and I, it was as thin as I probably possibly could ever go for me, and which still isn't all that thin com- compared to other people, What you know how thin people can be, but it was very thin for me. And I was very hungry all the time, and it was just miserable. It was the first time I was really miserable with dieting. It went from this comfort thing, like, oh, I'll just count my points or track my calories or whatever it is, to um, being really miserable and sad and, and just having to think about food 24 hours a day and being afraid of food and also at the same time just binging on food whenever I would go out to eat. Um and standing at a party beside a platter of cheese and not being able to concentrate on a conversation and looking at the cheese and thinking, I'm just going to dive into that cheese and never be able to stop and lose oh, myself yeah. in a big pile of cheese cubes that aren't even that good. It's like some mild cheddar or something. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I was uh, a cheese girl, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and at my hungriest, I would eat any cheese. And I feel like when I'm not hungry, I get a little picky about my cheese. So that's why it's like the cheese barometer or something of <laughs> hunger. I don't know. But, um, so, so that last, so that weight loss that I struggled for, uh, lasted about two years and my weight started to rebound up in a way that had never happened before. Really quick gain, like 10, 10 pounds in a couple months. And, um, I I was like, what's going on? And, and so then I, you know, got restrictive again, but all I could do was just maintain that new weight. And I mean, my life was all about food, constantly thinking about food, feeling bad that I couldn't eat things, feeling mad when I did eat, you know, things, being on vacation and worrying, like, what am I going to be? What's my weight going to be when I come back? Um, that was my whole life. And that, um, Right around that time that I was really restricting before I had gained any weight back, I decided I need a job that is going to let me think about food 
24 hours a day and obsess about food and I can get paid for it. And what better job to do that than to become a registered dietitian? Mm -hmm. So that's what I decided when I was in the middle of what I'm considering a mental health crisis of dieting. Um, because you don't think really rationally when you're being starved. So I decided I'm going to become a dietitian and I started school for it. And I was, um, in the middle of school when, um, I was still dieting when I started school and, when I started my first nutrition class, I had Linda Bacon as my teacher who... Um, wow. Had, yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, Linda Bacon is the author of the book Health at Every Size and just a huge um, size acceptance advocate and non-diet advocate. And But I didn't know any of this about her. She just happened to be teaching at City College of San Francisco. And I was like you know, I'll, I'll try this. This class fits my schedule and I'll try this woman. And people are saying kind of controversial things about her, but that's kind of neat. I, I don't know. And, um, I went in and, and her message was so different from anything I'd ever heard in my life. She was saying things like fat is not the killer that we're thinking that we think it is. And dieting is doing a lot of damage and weight loss, long-term weight loss really isn't all that possible. And I, at that point, I was also living the nightmare of thinking about the food constantly. And eventually at first I was very skeptical and thought, I don't think I believe what she's saying, but to be honest that, I mean, that class was right before lunch and I was so hungry because I'd eaten so little for breakfast and I would count out my almonds during the class 13 that would equal one point. <laughs> and like, it's crazy that I still remember that. Oh, I still remember stuff like that too. <laughs> yeah. And it's like total diet PTSD. And, uh, um, okay. Yeah. I'll come, I'm going to come back to that, but yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And, but really I think because of my experience and watching my weight suddenly fluctuate in a way that it never had before. And that I was fighting, I could eat so little food just to maintain a weight that I had maintained no problem before I got super restrictive, um, not really understanding what was happening with my body. That kind of explained so much to me. And I had to be really honest with myself and say, are you happy with what is happening? Because I remember actually before that started a few, about a year before, I just remember looking at my partner and saying, just when do I ever get to be happy with all of this? Because I'm worried all the time about my weight. I'm just so terrified that I'm going to gain weight. And at the same time, I can't eat what I want and how I want to eat. Um, so that class really forced me to look at my life and say, are you happy? And I was not happy at all. And I was also mad that I lived in, I realized I lived in this culture that made me feel bad about my body. That had there, that there had been nothing wrong with it. Did I mean I did when I was young? I needed some nutrition advice. I probably if I had found someone like books like Ellen Satter, who's the pediatric dietitian, and I love her work, or Intuitive Eating, which didn't exist when I went on my first diet. I needed something like that, and I maybe needed some good advice from a dietitian or a nutritionist, and you know, just to understand what a balanced meal looked like. That's what I needed. I didn't need to learn how to diet. Maybe I would have lost weight. Maybe I wouldn't have, but I, I didn't need to learn how to diet and hate my body. So, but that's how, that's what I ended up with. I was never happy with my body. I'd never considered myself acceptable, even though my weight was within an acceptable air, air quotes range at that time. Um, according to the BMI, which is bullshit anyway. But um, 
yeah, so Linda Bacon kind of changed my life. And at the end of that class, that semester, I said, I'm not, I'm never going to diet again. Like Oprah said it, but I mean it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just realized, like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live in misery. I only have one life and I need to be happy with all aspects of it, if possible. So that, that is sort of when I stopped dieting. And of course, I had really abused my body with dieting and really suppressed my weight. And once I stopped dieting, my weight just started to head on up. Mm-hmm. It was like, we're not going to do that again. Yes. <laughs> so, but I see that as, and I, and yes, for a while when you stop dieting, totally you go a little nuts. You're like, I'm going to eat everything. It's awesome. And I did eat I don't think I binged, though. That was the great part. I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, well, now I just get to pick whatever I want to eat. And it felt very normal, actually, and okay. And I didn't really binge. I did have to get used to what level of fullness I wanted to be. I had to learn how to eat intuitively. Because my first decision was stop dieting. I did not know how to do that. I did not know how to eat intuitively. So a year later, that's when I found that book and sort of started to learn how to eat more intuitively according to what my body needed. But I had suppressed my weight so long that I, I started to gain weight really rapidly. And um, that was a little disconcerting, but I just decided, no, I'm, I really need to live this authentic life of happiness. And um, I just decided I'm going to go with it. Whatever my body decides to be with doing the healthiest things I can do, I'm going to go with it. And that's, you know, and I, I kind of went back to my original starting weight from like my 1994 starting weight. And I was like, wow, my body remembered. How about that? So I thought it was kind of genius, actually, of my body to remember that, nope, this is where we went. This is where we are. (laughs) That's often, that's often the case, you know, like it's kind of where it was when you were at your most like normal eating back in the day, you know? Yeah. Or at least in that sort of range. But, uh, I mean, everybody's, everybody's experience is totally different with that because there's so many factors that come into play. But right. how it's, cool is it that you had Linda Bacon as your teacher? Oh, my it, God. I'm, like, so jealous. <laughs> it's like the time I met – this is embarrassing. It's like the time I met Getty Lee, but I didn't know who he was. Oh, um, <laughs> oh man. Okay. Canadians. I'm the worst, I'm the worst Canadian ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For those of you that don't know, Getty Lee, lead singer of Canadian rock band Rush. Yes. Who everybody knows about in the world, except <laughs> I didn't really back then. Anyway, it was sort of like that where I was like, oh, this is this amazing woman who does all this work. I didn't know that until like later. And I did, I read her book while I was in class and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. She wrote a book, but I didn't realize how big she was in this community mm-hmm. of health at every size. But I mean, honestly, it was the best introduction. Um, and I feel pretty honored to have had that kind of initial education mm-hmm. around it. She's a really sincere person. So, yeah. And I, it's, uh, it, interesting to hear how you said, you know, you, you were connecting your dieting with resolving stress in your life. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, weight loss is, or the, that desire to lose weight is, is so much more than food. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it, the question really becomes like, what are we really trying to control? Right. It's, it wasn't my weight. It was my feelings 
I mean, it was a little bit my weight, but it was also like if I resolve the issue with the weight, then I will also resolve all these problems, which I'm going to blame on the weight, which I know have not like my mother dying had nothing to do with my weight. That was just going to happen. Um, but it was a distraction to this dieting was like, look over here at the diet stuff. Don't look over there at all the horrible stuff that's happening in your life. Um, so it, that's why I said it was comforting because it was like this little hole that I could go into and hide in my safe diet world mm-hmm. from and, and, and protect me from all the bad things that could happen out there too. Mm-hmm. And then when I would get my most perfect body ever, um, then the, all the problems would be solved because I, I don't know really the logic breaks down for me right there. So, but that's what I believed. <laughs> that's what we all believed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, and, and you know, it, it, like, uh, so logically it's, if we can like laugh at it and we're like, oh my God, it doesn't make any sense. It's so silly, but it's actually one of the hardest things to let go of for, oh, for women. Ab- absolutely. Um, this idea that things are going to be better when we're the right size, mm-hmm. um, as though there were ever a right size as though living, we live in this culture that constantly tells us our bodies are wrong because who makes money if we're happy with our bodies? Nobody. So I mean, it's, it's within everybody's interest to make sure that we are never happy with our bodies. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's, the system is, the system is rigged. It's rigged. (laughs) It is rigged. It's so true. It's so true. If you think about all the businesses that wouldn't be around if you liked your appearance. Uh, First of all, a $60 billion diet industry, which is always amazing to me. I'm like, I don't think the movies make that much and I get so much more pleasure out of them. So yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah think about how like you, you could pretty much solve world hunger with a lot of money. Like. I know, I know. It's like, a, I think, um, I read a blog once on like, what could, what are all the things we could do with that money? And I was like a lot of good things, but instead we were just like, let's try another diet. And I think I said to somebody the other day, cause they, as a dietitian, people approach me all the time. They say, what can I do about my diet? I need to lose weight. And I'm like, are you asking the fat dietitian how to lose weight? Really? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't help you. I'm sorry. And nobody can help you, but they will take your money. So don't do it. So <laughs> but I can tell you how to eat better. Like I can always do that, but I can't tell you that that will, you know, result in weight loss. And they always look at me first with a little bit of sadness. And then with like this complete flood of relief on their face, like, Oh, maybe that's why my last 10 diets failed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not me. So, yeah. So I actually pulled this quote from one of your blog posts cause I thought it was so good. And this is you talking about the diet industry. Do this thing you might, you might not even like to do, do it a lot, focus your entire life on this, forsake all the other things you might be interested in doing because they won't produce weight loss and you'll be cured of your fat forever. Except that, oh yeah, there is zero proof that any of this will work long term for more than a tiny, like 5% tiny fraction of people, even if you manage to keep at it. Did I write that? Yeah, you wrote that. I know, it's great. (laughs) It sounds even better when you read it. (laughs) I should just have you read all my blogs. It will be your really great uh, when you say it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I mean, it is. So, so I I don't think a lot of people realize, like, to us, like, that 5% is like a a well known fact for, you know, for those of us who have, like, you know, read a lot of health at every size or some of that research that gets um, thrown around, but it really is like, 5% of people based on the studies they've done in terms of 
losing weight and keeping it off. Yeah, and I was telling this to a doctor recently. Like, no, I know thousands of people that have lost weight and kept it off. I said, the burden of proof will be on you. You need to prove that to me because I have never seen that study. You know, Tracy Mann's book, Secrets from the Eating Lab, came out last year, and just she looked at all the research that was available and said the same thing. Like, no, it's really not going to work for anybody for the most part. For a, let's say a, a statistically significant portion of the population. Yes, there are always going to be those that five percent and like but i did it so everybody else can do it and that was who i was for a long time i was like well i did it why can't you all do it which is uh i cringed at how obnoxious i was about that but, oh yeah <laughs> um but i guess we've all been we've probably all been there at least once I, yes I, I hope i wasn't the only one but um, no I, i'm with you like my hands like straight up like raised with you <laughs> and i and i went back to school for the same reason to become a nutritionist so like you know your story parallels mine so much <laughs> yeah. i mean it's embarrassing but um that's i sometimes i think oh gosh those five that five percent are just doing us all such an injustice because they're walking around going look we're we're a we're not a unicorn. We are possible. It's like, yes, of course, anything is always possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because 5% of people can do it. And frankly, I think if they were living like the way I had been living, it's like, well, yeah, that's your life. You're, you're, it's not a, it's not just a lifestyle change. It's your whole diet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or sorry, it's your whole life that is, it's your job now to, to maintain this weight loss. Like I couldn't, I just joke that I could have probably three PhDs by the time for all the time that I spent thinking about food and obsessing about food and, you know, and, and in the end I find when I'm not starving, I'm actually not that interested in food. I still like to eat. Of course, we're all geared to like to eat. That's normal. Um, there are people out there who don't enjoy eating too, but I think for the most part, we mostly like to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am not obsessed with food at all. And, uh, that was a little dismaying to find out when I stopped dieting that, oh boy, this maybe was not, <laughs> not the interest I thought it was going to be. So I yeah. had a complete crisis when I decided to stop dieting. I thought I went into dietetics to, so I could have a private practice and then teach people how to lose weight and be miserable like me. And now what am I going to do? Because I don't, really think that that's a good way to live uh-huh. and I am no longer thin and what am I going to do and that's when I realized there is still this underserved area of non-diet nutrition and that in fact I had a job to fight the diet industry and all the evil that it does so um so that actually not dieting stopping dieting has given me this great new pathway <laughs> path to follow in my career um and it's so much more fulfilling than dieting it's it's unbelievable so yeah so you're like it's you're an rd that practices health at every size so how do you um you know do you work with other rds that believe the same thing as you are you like the rogue out there like how 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 does that look like and how does that look in your practice or i'm i'm not self-employed right now so i have a clinical dietitian job and um there are some people who are very much into the intuitive eating uh i found in san francisco everybody knew about health at every size and in la nobody knows about it but they know about intuitive eating because the women who wrote that book are from down here interesting um but the the one dietitian i found was um my podcast partner Aaron Flores and he I I just was so lucky when I 
went through my internship to become a dietitian. He was a dietitian there, and he was into intuitive eating and non-diet. He didn't care about weight loss, non-diet nutrition, and we just clicked. And I think we always both knew we'd probably do something together. So um, we're doing our podcast together. But he, there, and there are a few other dietitians that um, are very unrestrictive where I work and very, but I think they still, they're thin. So they kind of don't totally get it. Mm-hmm. They don't totally get that not everybody can lose weight. In fact, most people can't maintain weight loss in the long term. I think they sort of get it, but um, I, I don't. I'm not sure, and I don't delve into it too much with people unless I know that they're ready to hear it. So I, I don't go around go around proselytizing for health at every size with people who don't want to hear about it. I'm here what I the way I see myself is I'm here for people who want information and then can make their own choice. So, but I'm I feel like a little bit like the rogue where I work. First of all, I'm like the fat dietitian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so the good thing is nobody most most of the time they don't ask me for diet advice cuz I think they're thinking you're not winning at this diet thing. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, I'm winning just in a different way." So, um <laughs> But it can be hard to be, you know, the fat dietitian at the yeah. same time. I yeah. feel like I don't give a shit. And I totally just feel so empowered to defend my body and and what it's supposed to be or what it's going to be. So, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's sort of. But I think the people I work with are awesome. And all the dietitians are really nice. And, and. I've never had a problem with them. They're, they're so accepting. So I'm really lucky where I'm working. Um, but it is kind of a lonely world, the health at every size world. My, the people are online. Like I've met you, you know, I've met Christy Harrison, who has another podcast. I have, you know, I've mostly, I live in this online world Yes, about health at every size, which Mm -hmm. is kind of sad in a way. Um, you know, I'd love it to be more in person, but they're just, especially in LA, which is diet central, you, you just don't find a lot of people that are, are sort of ready to hear that. But, you know, I don't care. I'm going to tell them, I guess. <laughs> so I'll find some people in person eventually. Um, so that's, it's, it is a lonely world. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I, I know some, I know, I know, uh, I've got, I have a couple like ex, uh, clients in, in LA and stuff. And so, yeah, maybe I'll <laughs> offline. I'll, I'll, I'll like, you know, connect a couple of you or something. Yeah. That would be great. I'd love to hear from other people. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know LA is a hard, a hard place. Um, like I've, I've had clients who really struggle with the body image in LA, like more so than other places in the United States, um, or, or around the world for that matter, because, of uh this like it's just so ingrained that thin is you know morally superior in in that environment like yeah more so than other places definitely LA is you know the place for that and I haven't lived anywhere else in the U.S. but when I do travel to other places it's kind of like you 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 go back and you're like, oh, this is where all the regular humans are. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, all the most beautiful people of the world come to L.A. because they either want to, you know, get into the the movie industry or acting or whatever and... Um, Be a real housewife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. I don't they know you can do that anywhere, really? I mean, you don't have to come to LA to do yeah, it. Yeah, they even have one in Vancouver. <laughs> the Real Housewives oh. of Vancouver. Oh, do they? Yeah. That's or they awesome. used to. I think it was only one season. It was a couple of years ago. Did, do they sit around and they're just like really polite to each other? <laughs> they're really polite that? and they smoke weed. <laughs> no, I don't know. I never watched it. <laughs> it's terrible. That was like a really mean, like, I, I feel like I'm Canadian, so I get to say things about Canadians, but nobody else does. <laughs> they're just sitting around apologizing all the time. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To like the table when they come to stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So the other part of, of getting off the diets is how do you deal with the body positivity stuff? And that was the other big part of, that I had to work on, which is I, I don't know how to be okay with my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though when I was younger, I actually was, before I started dieting, I actually was okay with my body. That's I had this idea that other people... The world didn't see me as okay, but I kind of saw myself as okay to a large extent. It wasn't until I dieted, lost weight, everybody told me how amazing and great I looked, that I realized, oh, I guess I was really walking around in this hideous body, <laughs> you know, and um, it, which wasn't true at all. But I mean, if I was fine with it, that's good enough. But through dieting, you learn self-hatred. And yeah, how, did, how was I going to undo all of that? And that's, I had to spend a lot of time. That's why I spent a lot of time looking online at blogs. I, the first one I found was um, Reagan Chastain Dances with Fat. Mm-hmm. And that blog was a revelation uh, for me. And I got to meet her one time too. And that was super oh, cool. Amazing. I just actually interviewed her for the podcast. She's amazing. <laughs> she, she's hilarious too. She is hilarious. Super yeah. funny and brilliant. Yeah. 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 She's done some stand up comedy. You can, well, it used to be on YouTube and she was actually really funny. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like so quick. She's, yeah. she's got like the quickest responses of anyone I've ever. Yeah. She's brilliant. And I loved her writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I started there and then I moved on to other, blogs like fat fashion blogs is where I um also turn to to look and see like these are fat bodies in positive um images and that was really important to see that actually for me that these women were like I don't give a fuck what I how fat I am I'm putting nice clothes on and um just showing myself to the world in great clothing. And that was just a revelation for me as well that, oh, that you're not, you're right. Fat bodies are not hideous, inherently hideous. They actually are quite beautiful to me. And that beauty is not this fixed thing that we have, that we can expand our ideas of what beauty is. And I realized that I don't know. I think the reason why I decided before that fat was not beautiful was because I had sort of, been told that I looked better thin than fat. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I guess maybe if that's an objective thing for everybody out there, it's not an objective truth for me. Fat bodies, thin bodies, to me, there's, you, there's beauty in all sizes. Um, and, and it was really nice to be able to expand my ideas of beauty, but it was still hard to turn that on myself at first, you know, um, And then I realized along the way that I don't think I actually have to look at myself and think, oh, I'm beautiful or, you know, people think I'm beautiful. I don't need that because that's a culture that traps us in in a prison as well. And I don't need that. I just need to know that I'm okay and I should exist in the world just as I am. Mm -hmm. And that that has been the best thing. It's like I I like nice clothing. I'm a big, 
you know, I love fashion. Um, although as I get older, I get way lazier and I just want to wear yoga pants all the time and because <laughs> they're easy and I can wear sneakers with them and run and, you know, run around. And, but, uh, I do love clothing and anybody can wear clothing and, that's that's what's important to me is that I have nice clothes and that's I don't need a specific kind of body for that. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the last part of the puzzle is figuring out the body stuff. Yeah, that's a and it's such a huge part of the puzzle. So I want to loop back around to something you mentioned earlier, which was like the diet PTSD, which um, <laughs> is so funny that you brought that up because one of my clients actually said that she's like, She's like, I feel like I, I still have like diet PTSD, you know, like <laughs> certain things will just like trigger or like I have like these memories of dieting. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy how like stuff can just like give us that PTSD, like, you know, yeah. like looking at almonds and, and, you know, for me, I still see them as like zone. I don't really see them as zone blocks anymore, but I can, I could still tell you how many blocks are in like a lot of foods. Um, you know, much like I'm sure you could, you probably know the Weight Watchers points or something yeah. like that. Like it's, you know, uh, does it, does it, does it, does it wear off or did it wear off for you? Or like, you know, um, are you able to like see a diet ad without like, you know, cringing or like, you know, do you, Oh, I go into a blind rage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to throw things at the TV. I'm like, fuck you. I'm so angry. Yeah. <laughs> You're a lie. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so I guess I still have some diet PTSD. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's funny the things that I still remember, like there are certain foods I never ever want to eat again, like rice cakes, mm. because I ate so many rice cakes for so long. And to me, that will never be anything other than a diet food. And that doesn't mean it's diet food, period. It just, for me, it is a diet food the way I treated it because I didn't really like it, but I ate it anyway, because it plugged the hole of hunger. And, um, so I, I can't like, even if I just see a rice cake, I got to look away. I, I can't, I was like, ah, cardboard. Um, and, but bagels were another food for a long time. I just did not want to have anything to do with them because I used to, my breakfast for ages was half of a bagel with one tablespoon of light cream cheese. Oh and <laughs> that to me, starving. Became a, oh my yeah. God. Oh, I was starving. Cause then I would, then that's when I would have the rice cakes. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah. And I know there are like, other people at the paleo people out there going, Oh, cause you've had no protein. And that's also true. Yeah. Um, but no protein, no fat, right. But just that starving was, basically. Like that was the weight watchers to. diet it was definitely like a low fat, mm-hmm. low ish protein diet, I think, mm-hmm. but it's also low everything like low, low just fat. low everything. Yeah. yeah. It's got no life. It's why that that's, it's the die and diet. Right. <laughs> they low, say. low taste. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I still, but I can still look at some foods like an English muffin and go uh, one point, you know, or two points or something like that. And Oh good. I'm starting to forget. That's actually a great sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that, that kind of thing sticks with you uh, for a long time. And, but it's okay because I, I can still look at those foods and go, I don't care how many points are in them. I'm eating that food, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. So, we can't so the, erase the memories completely. It's like a shadow in there, but it's okay. It just reminds me you're never doing that crazy stuff again. Mm-hmm. Like going hungry all day and trying to figure out how to trick myself. So I still catch myself in dieting behavior every now and again. Um, but I can rationalize it out and say, okay, what are you doing? why are you doing it? 
you know, is that what you want to do or do you just want to have something? Uh, or I like looking at menus like, hmm, what's the lowest calorie thing? And I go, no, what's the thing you want? What's the thing that's going to satisfy you and satisfy your need for nutrition too? Because I do still, I am a dietitian, so I still care about nutrition. Mm-hmm. I think that, but there's a world of difference between eating in a nourishing, you know, healthy way versus eating to lose weight. I think those things are almost mutually exclusive in a way because yeah. I, I did not eat very healthfully when I was dieting and trying to lose weight. I would just play the game of how little can I eat with trying to satisfy myself so I won't be so hungry the next time. And I'll tell you, vegetables were not the answer <laughs> at the time. Right. Those, those didn't fill me up at all. Um, they just made me hungrier because, of course, vegetables on their own, they need to go with something, mm-hmm. you know. That's, mm-hmm. It needs to be a whole meal, in my opinion. But So I still I still like to focus on, once I got over the dieting, that's when I turned to, okay, how do I eat better? How do I do the nutrition without doing the weight part? And it's actually pretty easy because there are some good guidelines out there like, hey, eat some vegetables every day, eat some fruit, or whatever it is. Whatever is the, the thing that you want to do. Um to, to be healthier. Yeah. Know? And I, I think, I think one of the biggest problems is that weight loss is so, it has become mixed up with health. So people automatically think, okay, if I'm not actively trying to lose weight anymore, then I'm not going to eat healthy or like why bother eating healthy? Um, you know, which is, it's such bullshit. Like, you know, it's like, no, like you can still do healthy things for yourself, whether it be, you know, like moving your body or eating some food with that has, you know, like nutritional content in it or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. it does, it just, it doesn't have to be intertwined with, with weight. And I think it's like, it takes a while for people to really reframe that, to be able to come back to food and see it as, as nourishment and be able to make choices without it feeling restrictive. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I knew somebody who had suffered from anorexia for a long time and she just at times would eat candy all day, you know, but you would maybe look at her and go, she's really thin. She must eat really healthy. It's like, well, no, she ate candy the entire day because Mm -hmm. she really loved candy. And that was the thing that she was going to have. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it is amazing how we've tied up the weight and the health thing. And I think that that's a load of shit because, Basically, when I first started dieting, I did want to eat a little bit better, but I also wanted, it was vanity. I mean, I I hate to use the word vanity. It was wanting to, because that sounds like it's just fluffy and, you know, not important, but I wanted to fit into society better. And that's what it, right. you know, that's what it was about. And I think that people realize like, oh, if you just make it about health, then that somehow makes it okay that we're all trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And not about vanity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of us are, you know, lying to ourselves about that. Like I certainly was. Because I was, even if you looked at what I was eating, you'd be like, oh, like she's really healthy. But I was still under eating healthy foods, you know? Like, right. Exactly. Like I, and, and like really under eating, um, you know, like carbohydrates and stuff. Like I wouldn't even eat a piece of fruit. Like I was like, no, you know? Yeah. So and you have to healthy. demonize those foods in order to not eat them. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it's, and it's, and it's crazy. And that's why health becomes so convoluted is because 
people start to, you know, receive these messages that like, Oh, you know, don't eat too much fruit or like, you know, like, Oh, it's got carbohydrates in it. Like, and it's just like, it's, it's, it's fucking crazy. It's like, it's a piece of fruit. Like, <laughs> you know, like eat fruit. Yeah. It came off the tree. We <laughs> probably, you know? our ancestors survived on it for thousands and thousands like, of years. It's nuts. It's it, yeah. It's crazy. And it took me a while to be okay with like, eating fruit again, like, which I know sounds so, may sound so ridiculous to some people, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy how that can just like brainwash you and completely destroy your perception of health. Like you think you're being healthy and you're, and it's actually like, you're, you're not healthy at all. Oh yeah. Um, so it and can I, kind of happen from both perspectives where you're, you know, you're unhealthy and dieting and you're like eating healthy stuff, but still dieting. Yeah, I mean, and I had full, but I remember saying to myself at one point, like, oh, I'm just going to live forever. I'm eating so healthy and exercising. It's like, first of all, nobody is getting out of this thing alive. We all yes. die. Yes. Yes, <laughs> we yes, all yes, have yes, that yes. in common. We are all going to die eventually. Maybe I'll be 99. Maybe I'll be 79. You know, if I, I'm lucky at either of those ages, frankly. But um, one of the other things I realized I was focusing on was this future healthy self or this future, like, I'm going to live forever. It's like, well, I mean, or I'm going to live 10 years longer. It's like, well, can I have 10 more years of my 30s or are you getting that on the back end? Because I don't think I want like 110 because that's, I, I work with those people. Yes, they're still glad to be alive, but they're not getting around that easy. Um, we're not going to be super people at 90. I, uh, I had this conversation, this exact conversation with my husband the other day. And in one of my blog posts that I just wrote, that'll be going up, like probably before this actually broadcast, I wrote like, we're going to die anyways. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You, you eat healthy, you do everything right. And you still die anyway. Yeah. Like we can't control our, we think we're going to like control our destiny and we miss it on the present moment. A lot of times by being so obsessive and, and, and trying to control that future. Well, and I think that's what I was trying to do, actually, because at that time I was very unhappy uh, with certain things in my life. And I realized, like, I was living for this future when I maybe I would be happy. And so this was, you know, oh, I'm trying to be so healthy for this future where I'm happy that I don't even know what's going to happen. Instead of just dealing with the stuff that was happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I did start dealing with that, I let go of a lot of the health stuff. Even before health, you know, finding health at every size, I realized when I was starting to deal with the crap that was happening in my life, I just said, I don't want to diet like this. This is kind of nuts. Now, I did for a few more years, but it was really loosening its grip on me, even at that point. Um, but I, I was using it to live for this moment that might never happen. Right. <laughs> I would be happy. Yeah. So insanity. Exactly. exactly. So how do you, like, how do you guide people to start making choices for themselves without being restricted about it? So I have a lot of patients that are, they're older gentlemen and they ask me, you know, how do I lose weight? And I say, listen, nobody can guarantee that for you. We can try we can try to do healthy things and see what happens with your weight. And they're always, I think they're a little bit disappointed with that. But yeah. I have, I have to be honest with them um, and saying like, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you to be restrictive because one, you're not going to do it anyway. And two, at the very most, it's going to be this transient, 
you know, weight loss that will just come back on. So, so I really try to, the first thing I do with my patients, and this is very new for them, is I give them the hunger fullness scale, mm-hmm. um, which is the scale from one to 10, um, one being super hungry and 10 being like Thanksgiving stuffed. And I kind of guide them. I say, do you know when you're hungry? How do you know when to eat? Now, amazingly, a lot of them say, I never feel hunger. And then I say, well, then how do you know when to eat? So I just try to start out with getting them in touch with the hunger feeling and then what level of fullness do they want to be? I said, listen, you work on that first, see how that goes, and then let's talk. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's a challenge even for that, you know, you think that sounds so easy? Not at all. If you've been ignoring those hunger and fullness signals for so long, it's not easy to get in touch with them and to start listening to them and be guided by them. So, yeah, yeah, but I, I tell them, you know, I'm very, um, I guess liberal, (laughs) liberal, I is the word, I guess, with, with weight and food in general, I am never going to tell somebody to restrict. And I think that they, they actually are pretty relieved by that. So, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it's nutrition, changing your nutrition is challenging no matter what. Changing it and trying to change your weight at the same time is, in my opinion, next to impossible for the average person, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of times weight loss doesn't even work in the first place. So, so that's tr- sort of how I connect with my patient population. And they are sometimes ready to hear that. And they're sometimes not ready to hear that. They still want to go off and do like the juicing thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they are discouraged when they ask me, what's the best vegetable I can eat? Like, like there's just one vegetable they need to eat. They're going to eat that one, and it's going to fix all their problems. Yeah. Like, the best vegetable to eat is the one that you like the best. Yeah, the one that you feel like. <laughs> and they, are not, they don't get that at first. Like, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, it's really, we should not discriminate amongst vegetables, okay? Yeah. Or anything, but, it's, you know, but vegetables too. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just caveat the hunger and fullness scale because some people who, like, you know, if you're prone to, like, the diet brain, like... Uh-huh. It's not always the best thing to do for the people who are listening to this. Yeah, you can turn it into <laughs> a, 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 like a numbers thing. Yeah, and, like, you become very obsessed strict with, with it. it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I also wrote that as a, a blog, which is uh, something about um, when intuitive eating becomes a rule, not a tool. And yes, totally. Yeah, you're not, you're, we don't need to be strict about, I can only eat when I'm this hungry and I can only eat until I'm this full mm-hmm. because that's a diet too. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden. It, yeah. And it implies there's like this, like, like, in, I don't even know, like elusive level of fullness. Yeah, that, I know exactly. That is yes. perfect. Yeah, there it <laughs> is. You must I, achieve. Didn't go beyond it. And, um, so yeah, so it, that hunger fullness scale is not, I don't, I don't usually, I wouldn't maybe start a, a long time dieter with that necessarily, no. but these are people who have never heard about non-diet nutrition, uh, but also maybe have not dieted all that much themselves either. Yeah. So I feel like for them, it's like a good place to start thinking about, are you hungry? Like, how do you know when to eat? I tend to work more with people who are chronic overeaters mm-hmm. than under eaters and dieters, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, that's just the, the place where I work. Yeah. Um, it's different. 
yeah, it's a little different. If I were in private practice, it would be a whole different world of where to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would, you know, you really have to meet people where they are, (laughs) where they're at. Totally. Totally. Well, we are like coming up close to the hour. So this has been awesome. I feel like we could go on and on and on. I feel like there were so many other things we could talk about. So we'll have to have you back at some point. But the last question I ask all my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you've done? Oh, I think it's buying a two-piece bathing suit a few years ago. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I because I'd never worn, a, since the age of eight, I'd never worn a two-piece bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was looking at the fat fashion blogs, Gabby Fresh, um, Gabby Gregg, is, she has a very popular blog, and she wore, she called it the fat kini. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like the this thing that kind of blew up the whole you know, you can be fat and wear a bikini. And it was, I bought that exact one from her blog. Nice. <laughs> and, and I wore, now to be honest, I don't actually like two pieces that much. That's something I learned because I like to um, do like boogie boarding and I just feel like I'm about to come out of it. So you do, yeah. Oh yeah. No, you get, <laughs> I need really something a little more sporty and to hold things me. fall out when, yeah, when exactly. There's, there's very, <laughs> very fast, um, strong waves in the Pacific ocean here. And I've had some moments where I've kind of fallen out. So I really, um, I'm going to look at my choice of bathing suit this year, but I was still glad that I did it. I bought a few more two pieces. Um, and I was glad I did that. And I felt like that was the most fearless thing I could do and just say, fuck it. I don't care if I have a big belly. <laughs> I don't care if I don't have the right shape, butt. I'm just going to wear this. I want to wear a two piece. So that was probably it. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Well, it, it's been so awesome having you here. Where can people find more of you? Um, so I'm, I write my blog. It's dare to not, uh, dare to not diet.com. Um, and we also have a podcast. Aaron Flores and I have a podcast, Dietitians Unplugged. We have a Facebook page. You can just Google us or you can just find us on iTunes. Um, yeah, I guess those are the two places I'm hanging out online these days. And I will link to all of this in the show notes, which will be at summerinandin.com forward slash FRR dash six zero because this is episode 60. <laughs> Glennis, thank you so much for being here. It was so fun. I'm so glad we got to connect. You are awesome. So hey, thank you doing so what much. You're doing. <laughs> oh, thanks. You. And you too. I love the work you're doing. I'm reading your book and it's so great. And um, just, I appreciate you so much for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Rock oh. on. Glennis is awesome. I love chatting with her. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 138. And I will be back with another classic episode in a couple weeks. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.